0: A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, you're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official expanded universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is a great disturbance in the force. <laughs>
1: That's right, Whistler. Welcome to episode 217 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your Star Wars discussion podcast, your podcast of legends as well as canon, your ticket to that galaxy far, far away. Our episodes broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes can also be found on iTunes as well as Stitcher and right on your own Twitter and Facebook pages at SW Beyond Films. Hey, enough about how you got here. Let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the Defender of the EU, the champion of our multiverse, the bipolar Star Wars fan, Mark Herleman, and with me like a fandom fanatic, just back from his pilgrimage, the EU guru himself, the count of our two continuities,
0: Mr. Nathan P. Butler! Hello, everyone. You know, you know, you, you give it the build-up that sounds like it's religious, and I almost wanted to do a Lucas Hu Akbar kind of joke, but I know <laughs> it would have pissed off a lot of people, so I'm not going to do that. Nope, not going there. No, sir. Uh-uh. <laughs> Although I kind of did, I guess, by saying I I thought about going there, but yes, uh, we are back. Uh, My wife and I decided back in, I guess it was around August, that since we hadn't had a honeymoon and we'd never done a celebration before, I'd never done a celebration before, and finally, uh, the position that I'm in, teaching online, actually offers the ability to do that. Um, Essentially, as long as I can keep up with classes and respond to things within a three-hour turnaround between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. on weekdays, which I can do by a phone pretty much wherever I am, I'm good to go. I can do it from wherever, including a celebration. Yay! And the only time I have to actually take off is if there's going to be a physical meeting that I'm not going to be present for. Although, ironically, there were some physical meetings during the little chunk of celebration, so I wound up putting in some um, some leave time. But when you when you still work when you're sick, because you don't have to worry about reporting to a specific building most of the time, you accumulate sick days that go unused Quite often. So, you know, we were finally in a position to be able to do it. So we, we took the trip. We left the day before and drove down. We were there for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of celebration. Drove back the next day, both kind of ill, really, at this point, at least coughing and whatnot from the change of air beforehand and, uh, and just, just being worn out from the trip itself. Had some really good experiences, had some pretty crappy experiences to go with it that we can talk about. And, um... Yeah, it's one of those, one of those things that we look back on, and I recognized a couple of things, um, just kind of a, as a broad, big picture kind of thing, and that is that I don't think, I, I, say we talk about buying a house or buying a car or something like that, and we think in terms of the down payment as that moment. Of actually spending the money. And we'll worry about the financing as something separate, right? Yeah. So think of a car purchase as a down payment. A house purchase as a down payment. Don't think about the money that comes later. I want to say that when when we calculated it up, going to Celebration was the most expensive thing either my wife or I or us both together have ever (laughs) done aside from buying our house. Wow. (laughs) So we're glad that we planned well in advance this to make sure that the money was there at each point that we needed it and the other thing that was that was recognized is that celebration for us i think is a kind of thing where we've gone to it once it was fun to do we can say we've finally done a celebration we don't have to wonder what that experience is like anymore Mm -hmm. but would we ever actually do it again at this point we are willing to be convinced to do it again but I got to say, I would say that we are probably at the 90% no, we would not do it again mm-hmm. for, for various reasons for it. Um, not necessarily bad experience, though there were some crappy things, just sort of a mixture of the expense versus what we get out of it versus what you're able to get into versus the crowds and all the different things that factor in uh, our health issues, all kind of factoring into one big decision-making process. But that is still a far cry better 10% yes, 90% no is still a far cry better than how we were at the end of day one, <laughs> when both of us said we would never return to another celebration based on how day one was colored by the beginning of the day. So, mm. you know, it's 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 something that I think my brain is still processing, yeah. looking back on it, being able to, and I already recognize I'm able to sift through And the bad parts of it sort of fade and get shuffled off, and it's the good stuff that bubbles up to the top as we're thinking about it now, which is good, which is what you would hope would happen when you do something like this.
1: Yeah, there's a little bit of sticker shock in the aspect, not just of the price, but that first day. I mean, when we went to Celebration Anaheim, our first day experience was kind of similar. Like, we didn't show up super early, so we were still stuck outside. Uh, We watched the first trailer from our phones because we were still outside in the line and the lines you know they were they were big we weren't ready for it uh, but I think you get that with pretty much any big event you're doing. Like, the first time I went to Disneyland, we saved our Fast Pass to the last day, not realizing that we could have been using it the whole time. Like, one of those things, like, the learning curve is still there. You're like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Like You want to get with somebody who's done this before and get their pointers and their tips and maybe run into them once or twice there at the celebration so they can check with you and see how things are going and give you some pointers. Like, oh, you're having some problems. Did you try Door E? Like, oh, wait, what? There's more than one door?
0: <laughs> well, what we did, uh, or what I've done. Um, Because I knew that you and I would probably be talking about this, the general experience and a lot of the book news and stuff coming out book and comic news coming out of it. And I'm sure Michael and I will compare our individual experiences because we were both there, though we weren't around each other very much. Um, but We were both there. Uh, So we'd be covering that on Cloud City Casino. So what I've done with my vlog uh, on YouTube, it's youtube.com slash chronoradio. There's no more need to put the little user thing in between. Um, But chrono, like chronology radio, all is one word. So for my vlog, basically the first episode of two that I'm doing covering celebration is lessons learned, logistics, and some of the negatives. One, get the negatives out of the way so they don't influence the next episode. Um, And because they were mostly logistical things, but also things like Suggestions on where to find a hotel, how to minimize your food costs, how to minimize this and that. How do they handle getting people into the bigger panels? Um, Just all kinds of little things that I think, as you were saying, sort of you need the experience of somebody who's been there. And I've only been to the one. But there's already things that we learned that would have made our experience a little more straightforward. Like mm. next time, I if there is a next time, we're definitely applying for medical stickers. Yeah, uh, We both suffer from IBS and some other issues that exacerbate that. And I usually and she usually don't think of that as debilitating things. But when you're in lines for hours at a time out in the heat after walking a mile or so, then yes, that can be a pretty heavy thing. I mean, the state of Georgia considers us disabled when it comes to jury duty because they know there's no way we could sit through a trial. Um, But we don't think of ourselves as that most of the time. So we're like, yeah, medical sticker. We don't need to worry about it. Yeah, we really should have. So just stuff like that to learn. I
1: heard this celebration they did uh, where the people that were doing those type of bands weren't able to get the same type of access they were at past celebrations and other cons that they really had uh, limited where they were able to get into and out of. Which was which was odd, because typically they usually have more of a free reign to kind of cut up to the front of the line and have a fast pass,
0: if you will. They had quite a bit of access in the mornings, but I didn't really follow the specifics of how everything worked. So I guess I, I've, a friend of ours I could probably ask about and just kind of see... You know what his experience was with that. But yeah, so so all that kind of stuff I'm lumping into one episode and the second episode is sort of a here's what we did day by day. What was our experience? And I've kind of gone back mentally and taken notes over what did we do each day in what order? And what other things happened? Like, hey, we went to this and this is where we ran into so-and-so kind of stuff. like we were standing in line and there goes John Knoll kind of stuff (laughs) just to kind of break that down. So hopefully I don't feel like I, for those who listen to both shows and watch the stuff on YouTube, I'm not just repeating the same stuff over and over and over again
1: well at least you're conscious of that i mean i think that's the big thing for you and i you know we we're on multiple podcasts and stuff and there are other people that go and they're just repeating the same thing over and over again and you know we're aware of the fact that there are different audiences for each show so we kind of tailor what we're saying to that so there's some overlap but typically you know we're pretty good at making sure that we're not saying the same exact
0: thing over and over again at least hopefully not um I guess to, to get him out of the way, just like I'm doing with the YouTube channel, but not nearly as in-depth, the big negatives for us came down to logistical stuff. I mean, it wasn't like... I mean, meeting people was awesome, uh, and that's a combination of meeting people behind the scenes. Like, I finally got a chance to meet uh, Jason Fry, John Jackson Miller, Pablo Hidalgo. I mean, these people that I've had a chance to work with before in some form, or who've referenced my work and I've had a chance to have conversations about it. Uh, meeting people I haven't really talked to before, but whose work is... It has a big impact on either the new canon or legends and whatnot. Those were all very cool things. Meeting people who are listeners to the show, meeting people I'd known online for a while that I guess are listeners... And I guess I could think of them as listeners, but I've known them for so long as listeners that I just consider them friends I know online, like (laughs) Matt DeRocher's. I don't think of him as listener. I think of him as friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, But being able to sort of do that, being able to meet uh, many members of the Star Wars Report team for the first time in real life and so on, um, all of that's fantastic. Where Where it had issues was when the people organizing it didn't seem to think ahead. They didn't seem to recognize the demand that they were going to have or the number of people they were going to have. So, I mean, we had a 70,000-person Star Wars celebration. This was the biggest one that there had ever been. And on the first day, um, they had decided, Reed Pop, who runs it, had decided they were going to up the security level. So there's going to be one entrance only, and when you walk in, we're going to have you put your stuff from your pockets down, and we're going to wand you or have you walk through a metal detector, uh, one or the other, and we are going to check every bag that comes in the door. And that's a laudable goal if you want safety, but it's slow as hell. So what wound up happening was that on the first day we got there, um, we knew we were going to be standing in line. You know, we got there um, a little before 10. The doors are supposed to open at 10. And we figured that, you know, just the pace of getting people inside in, yeah, it'll be slow, but we'll be able to make it through. Um, we figured we'd probably be in line for maybe about an hour. Um, it turns out we were in line for two and a half hours standing around outside In the heat um, with the lines massively, massively, massively long because they were just really slow at getting people in and only had this one checkpoint as a choke point to get everyone in until they get to a point where they realize, oh, crap, this is really horrible. The line just keeps getting longer and it's not moving fast enough. And they decide to open another set of doors and let basically the back half of the line, not the people that have been waiting for two hours plus, but the people in the back half of the line in through that other door. Um, They also get to a point where they simply gave up on doing the security screening for day one, not checking bags at all. Just fine. Just go, just go, just go, just go, just go. So we've been slowed down just to make sure that, you know, somebody doesn't get in to do something horrible, but really only the first maybe quarter of people through the door actually got checked. So they basically dropped the ball on security and in an efficient entry. Um, and with our issue, our health issues and whatnot, you combine all that together with the two-and-a-half-hour wait. And for us, that first day was pretty much ruined from the get-go. No matter how good the rest of the day was going to be, that cloud was over us all day. And by the time it was over, we were cranky. It was a lot more walking than we tend to do on any specific given day, so we were both sore as all hell. Uh, we went straight from there to go get... Pain medicine um, at the end of the day, to their credit, by the time they got to day two, Disney had reamed them out, Uh, so they opened multiple doors and had a much faster process, but at the time for day one, they completely screwed up getting everybody inside in any kind of, of efficient, safe manner. Not to mention there were points at which there were almost fights in the line from people trying to cut into the line at certain points and people yelling at them and that sort of thing. Oh. and not a single security person or staff person in sight along the line except at the very end. Oh that's So get if something scary. had happened, there would have been no one there to do anything about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, especially how hot was it at this point in the day?
0: Oh it was I mean it was it was getting up there. I think it would have had just about peaked for the day. Oh. Um, but again, this is this is Orlando though, so the breeze coming in. Thankfully, helps take some of that away.
1: See, as as a parent with kids, like there's an added level of pressure when you've got your whole family there. Like I, I was wondering about how different it was going to be for you because it was just you and your wife. Like when me and my family went, my wife has decided she's not gonna come back to another one. And if she does, it'll only be me and her. We're not gonna take the kids because the kids just they couldn't handle the lines. And
0: oh, if you want to talk kids. Have I got another one
1: for you? <laughs> See, that's what gets scary. It's like, I, I always I always hate being in a line when it's hot, you got a bunch of jerks ahead of you, your own kids are, are starting to make your wife go nuts, and then you just look over and you watch your wife just start to turn red, and you're just like, uh-oh, she's losing it. You're like... Because, I mean, you know, you, you can't sit there... I mean, you could try to be that guy and be the jerk to tell his wife what to do, but it's like, you're going to watch her explode, and you're just going to just duck for cover and hope to God that there's not any pieces of bodies when it's all over with. you like, oh man, here we go. <laughs>
0: well, and it's funny you put it that way. You know my wife used to be a boxer. <laughs> oh, I love the start of this. <laughs> she doesn't take battery or assault well. And <laughs> there was a point at which some of the people behind us who were angry at some of the people well ahead of us who cut into the line decided they were going to jump in front of them to try to sort of get back at them, you know, two wrongs making a right or something. Oh, lovely. And in trying to get up to them, one of them put their hands on my wife's shoulders and shifted her aside. Now, I didn't see it when it happened, <laughs> but she was fuming the rest of the day, and had she not just had surgery on her right hand, she probably would have laid him out. Mm. Um, And it's funny because this guy's about my size and I've seen her take down people who are like (laughs) six foot plus um, because she just has the skill to do that.
1: I just can't wait to meet your wife someday. Like she's so legendary in her own right. (laughs) So
0: so, um, speaking of kids, though, and this was the other thing where the logistics just didn't work from a line standpoint, as opposed to the whole Thrawn thing, which is something we can get into as we're talking about the books and everything. But the Ahsoka signing was a complete Cluster boink, as as you might call it, um, cluster criff, because. I mean, they're telling everybody, you know, show up half an hour early. That's when the line forms. Well, none of the lines for any of the signings form half an hour early. It was always 45 minutes to an hour early. If you showed up half an hour early, you were at the back of the line. Mm-hmm. So the line starts to form, and it's Ashley Eckstein and E.K. Johnston and Mark Thompson all signing at once. Oh, Huge that's draw. where you
1: met Mark Thompson. Okay.
0: Right. Well, it's one of the two times. One of the two times. The other time is when he was just at the booth, and you could go up to him, and he would record a... Uh, Uh, I need to get my phone. He'd record a greeting for you for your phone. Uh, That's so cool. Mine's like, you know, know, don't leave a message. It's a trap. Or whatever. (laughs) And my wife got him to do Yoda. But it's them three doing a signing together. And it's the only time you can get an Ashley Eckstein signing where she's not in that autograph area where you have to like pay for the autographs and everything. It's where it's, out at the Barnes & Noble booth because it's for a book, which is all the free signings, in theory, a free signing. Um, They had said all along uh, that if you wanted to get stuff signed, and this was on the website too, if you wanted to get stuff signed at the Delray booth, you didn't have to necessarily buy anything. If you want something signed at the Barnes & Noble booth for a signing over there, you have to have bought something from Barnes & Noble at some point during that weekend. But it wasn't something they were really checking. The only time I ever really saw them check anything was for the the uh, Zahn signing at Barnes & Noble, the first one, which is when they were saying, as they were supposed to say for all of them, um, you have to have a copy of Thrawn to get it signed because this is a Thrawn sign. You can get Thrawn in something else, but... You have to have a copy of Thrawn, and hey, if you bought one that weekend, it was probably the exclusive version. It's obvious you got it there. No need to do a lot of heavy checking. Well, this time, while the line is forming and the line becomes about five to six times more people than could possibly get through in the hour that's allotted for the signing. But they never put up a line closed sign and never tell the people at the back, there's no chance in hell you're going to get up there and get anything signed. They just let them keep growing. Uh. They start coming back and saying that not only do you have to have bought something from Barnes and Noble's at some point during the weekend to be able to be part of the line, but you will be pulled out of the line if you can't prove you bought something from Barnes and Noble or Delray's booth with a receipt. Well, we had bought about $300 worth of books at that point over the weekend, all on previous days. I didn't have the receipts with me, so I had to go and buy something else, which thankfully I bought the Rogue One audiobook, and and our friend George Rivera wound up buying that from me later because he just wanted a copy of it. Um, But I had to go buy something else to have a receipt so that we wouldn't get kicked out of the line. Which, by the way, never happened, because they never bothered to check a single receipt.
1: Oh, Bait
0: and switch. Go buy something from us, or we'll kick you out of the line, but (laughs) we're never actually going to enforce that. But that wasn't the part where they fell down the most. Where they fell down the most was in how they dealt with managing the line itself. Because the Barnes & Noble booth is one of the ones that's facing one of the main drags as you're walking through the convention show floor. And... You can't have people blocking that space. You just can't. It's a fire marshal thing. And when they when somebody came down and got onto them for it, they set it up so that basically you could stand in front of the booth, which is right by the table where the signing's happening, and they could fit maybe five or six people there waiting. But then the rest of the line was going to have to form on the other side of that gap. And what they did was they just basically split the line with a little gap in it and had a Barnes & Noble person on each end so that they could have one person say, hey, I could use two more. And then the person actually manning the long line could send two more people over to join that little group in the front. Relatively efficient. But I guess because of space considerations, despite the fact that people can stand sideways and still be fine or stand next to each other and still be fine, they basically were making it so that whoever was getting something signed it, it, like it was minimized. So like we had two things to sign. We had a copy of uh, Ahsoka. We had a t-shirt. My wife wanted to get signed by Ashley Eckstein. My intention was to get the book signed by uh, both Eckstein and Johnston. but no, to speed things along, they say near the end. Okay, well, this isn't going fast enough. So now they're going to sign simultaneously. So you can't get anything signed by multiple people. You can have multiple things signed, but not by multiple people. So I, we were able to get the book signed by E.K. Johnston, but not Eckstein, and the shirt signed by Eckstein, but not Johnston. I uh, didn't have anything from Mark Thompson to sign at that point. I'm not even sure why he was on that spot because, you know, he didn't do the Ahsoka audiobook, whatever. But we had two items a copy of a book that, in theory, you've bought from Barnes & Noble or wherever, plus one personal item is what they basically would allow. So there were two of us standing in line, only two items which meant basically one person worth of items. So I hand them off to my wife. So if we get separated, at least she can make sure to get them signed. We get up to the front and it's, we need one more person. My wife steps forward. I turned to the guy who's manning and said, I don't have anything to sign. There's no sense calling me as the next person. Can I just stand with my wife? Cause I don't have anything. I'm not taking up any time or space really in the line for you. The answer is no, no, you can't. <laughs> okay. I'm like, all right, fine, I'll just wait over here for her. So I step away to try to walk over to the other side of where the line spits out at to make sure I'm waiting there for her. But as I take two steps to the side to get around and go over there, this guy puts his arm out and arm bars me to keep me from moving. Wow. Fortunately, he didn't grab me or I would have broken his arm because that was my immediate reaction. Thankfully, my hands were in my pockets (laughs) at the time. We don't take that putting your hands on somebody stuff lightly. Too much bad experience with that. I tell the guy off that I'm not going. I told you you couldn't go stand with your wife. (laughs) Nice. That's not where I'm going. so hello captain fancy pants <laughs> yeah make my way around to the other side my wife come finally comes out and she says when i was up there ashley ashley Eckstein, ahsoka right she asked who was that guy i was standing with is that your husband and said they didn't let him walk up here with you Actually, Eckstein was pissed at them that they separated me out. The guy behind us in line who wound up up there behind my wife because I wasn't in that line was raising hell because I couldn't be there. And I didn't know the guy at all. And then it turns out that that our situation was not the worst because we come to realize that they were separating children from parents. Oh, no. If a child had stuff to get signed, like this little third or fourth grade girl in the line in front, I think it was in front of my wife. Sorry, parent. You'd be an extra person and you don't have other stuff to sign. You can't stand with your elementary school child. Oh, you no, have to no. stay over here. No, not cool. Had something happened to that child, Lucasfilm, Disney, Barnes & Noble, Reed Pop, no would doubt. all have been in serious guam. Oh my God. Thankfully, the people in line saw this, were angered, and there were people kind of nodding to the dad, like, don't worry, we will keep an eye on her. Yeah. Though you never knew, the people saying, Yeah, we'll keep an eye on her, could be like, Yeah, I'll keep an eye on her. And could have been a pedophile or yeah, something.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to err in the side of caution, man. Holy crap. Yeah.
0: So so the way they handled that was a huge mess. And that turned out to, by the way, be the only thing we were even on site to do on Saturday. It's all we wanted to do there on Saturday. So our Saturday was kind of screwed. but we got stuff signed, which was cool. And she got to ask Ashley Eckstein, Hey, why is there no Gunji merchandise? He's cute. And she's like, I will put that on the list. Yes! Great. But, but yeah, so there were instances that were like that. And what would happen is that would sort of cast a pall on that day and give sort of a negativity to that day Mm -hmm. when really all the other experiences were really good. Yeah. It's just one of those things where for the day that frustration builds, like when my anxiety gets up or my wife's anxiety especially gets up and we get frustrated, it tends to stick with us. We tend to carry it around a little bit. And so we look back on those days in a lot better light than I think we felt on the actual day because of that. But those were really the only two big instances, and one was Reed Pop, one was Barnes & Noble. And the rest of the time, the Barnes & Noble team, which were, had the same leader as that day, but it was all different staff the other days, were crazy efficient. I mean, I was really impressed with the people at the Barnes & Noble booth. It was just that one signing that went haywire. Hmm. Um, And the way they handled security on all the subsequent days after the first one was okay. Um, Their bag checks were pretty cursory. I I showed on my YouTube video the first vlog that if I had taken our pistol that we own and just stuck it at the bottom of my bag, they would never have caught it. Ooh, scary. I could have done anything. But from the standpoint of speed of getting people in and the metal detectors— They were pretty efficient after that first day. Um, The doorways were open, so you could get people in relatively efficiently after the first day. Um, So it's one of those things where I don't want to make too much of the negatives, but there were some big Mm screw-ups. But the big screw-ups, while they did cast a pall a bit, looking back on it, they are not what defined the experience for it. What defined the experience was who we met and what we got to do and... Uh, and the expensive food and stuff like that that we got to do with it. Yeah. So I don't know, what do you want to know about... I think when we when you were at Anaheim, we drove that episode a lot of me sort of asking questions about it. I mean, yeah. How do you want to approach talking about this? Do you want to talk about the Thrawn book? Do we want to talk about announcements? Do we want to talk about who we met? I mean, you drive the discussion. I've got everything kind of mixed up in my brain that I'm still sorting out, but I'd be happy to answer or discuss whatever. Well, I absolutely. I kind of need to know where you want to go.
1: Well, the first thing, like, I think about... Celebration Anaheim. And I think about that trailer and the line of Han of the Chewie We're Home and that sense of we're home became embraced by every fan that was there. Was there ever anything on that first day or when that first The Last Jedi teaser trailer came out? Did there... Was there ever a theme that kind of rose to the forefront, or was, oh my god, this line never ends, was that,
0: like, the constant song of the day? Um, well, for the, I mean, for that first day, it certainly was. Last Jedi panel, I believe, was on the second day. Oh, this so time. they waited, okay. Because they had the big 40th anniversary thing on the first day, and I think, I don't think there was, like, a line that permeated or anything like that, like, one uh, line of dialogue that permeated so much as just the idea of 40 years, holy crap, you okay. know, like... Like, it's, it's amazing that this saga has been around for so long. That sort of attitude permeated. But now keep in mind, I think you said this about Anaheim. When we were there, we were in the celebration bubble, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, So if you didn't actually get into the 40th anniversary panel or the last Jedi panel or any of the big ones, you know, where you had to show up crazy early in the morning or spend the night locked in the convention center to get wristbands to get in the door, if you were just a regular person... Then you watched all that stuff when you got back to your hotel and just streamed it on YouTube like everybody else. Yeah. Only you weren't streaming it live. You were just... Getting it off of YouTube or whatever.
1: See, and and that was an issue for the people that weren't there. We were all trying to stream it. I'd say we loosely. I didn't watch any of the streaming videos. I'm still in a bubble in that regard, but there were a lot of people that were watching, and then all of a sudden you see people freaking out. It's down. It's down. Are they going to put it up? And I mean, they were in a complete panic for about an hour, mm-hmm. maybe even two hours, as to whether or not the video was ever going to come back up.
0: Yeah, and, and we were totally oblivious to that, right? So, like, we're walking around the show floor while this stuff is happening. Like, when John Williams got up at the end of the 40th anniversary, panel and he was there live and performed several songs we heard that because they had a tv that was playing it in sort of the center of the big show floor Mm -hmm. but i don't think anybody really realized at the time that this was live Oh. I think they were just thinking oh where well, they just it's just John Williams playing music from like some stock video or something. I don't think they realized what exactly was happening. So
1: did they have just like one TV on the main floor? I mean because that was something that we had hoped that they would do moving forward. I mean now they've got the multicast or the they have other panel rooms where they're streaming the mm-hmm. same thing, but we were always like they should have some of this on the floor because if you're out, you know, perusing the booths and stuff, you are missing all that stuff. Like you said that bubble
0: there was at least one big TV. I didn't notice other ones. Um, what I did notice was that Star Wars show had this giant area on the stage floor, on or on the, the show floor, where they did all their live stuff from there. So it may have been that there was, like, big ones, but they were also, or, you know, attached to that, and then other ones elsewhere. Um, but yeah, it's like, you weren't really catching that as it went. Mm. And I think that... There was a marked difference with the trailer between you know Chewie were home and the Jedi must end. Yeah, because Chewie were home was this sort of triumphant, yeah, Star Wars is back thing. And then you get the Jedi must end, and there's this holy crap, I don't <laughs> know what that means kind of kind well, of mentality. that escalated quickly. I love that meme. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think the most common question that I heard after that was why did Kylo Ren's scar move? Oh, and and apparently Ryan Johnson's answer is. It just looks cooler. I'm like that's awesome. Throw away oh, continuity cuz it looks cooler. You oh man. Twit <laughs> I almost switched vowels there, my bad.
1: So was that the big thing, was more the scar? Because I know from the not-at-celebration angle, it was the, It's the Grey Jedi! No, it's not! They're not canon!
0: It's Grey Jedi! Shut up! They're not canon! <laughs> I heard no discussion whatsoever of any kind of Grey Jedi stuff at all.
1: Oh man, I swear to God, the internet was blowing up with that. I'm like, it's the logo for the Jedi Order! What the hell are you guys
0: doing? Quit making fetch happen! I did find it interesting, and it was something, something had to point out to me, that this is we think the first time in a Star Wars film that we've seen a uh, paper. Oh. The idea that paper is so ancient that it helps denote the journal of the wills or whatever that is as something even more ancient than anything else in the galaxy and there's a there's an interesting argument I want to say it is inverse the website that did an interesting video suggesting that maybe that helps explain why you're able to have Luke Skywalker become a myth. In such a short time or the Jedi become just mythological in such a short time when the Empire comes to power and tries to erase all memory of it. Because if you have a cultural memory that's all audio video and people don't tend to actually read and paper just doesn't exist barely anymore, then you would have a short institutional cultural memory. Perhaps it would make sense to be able to say in, you know. 2017. Oh, Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton. Those were just legends. Those were just myths. They didn't really happen because you have, you don't have that cultural uh, connection through people actually studying and reading the history and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so that was, that was probably the biggest thing, but I would say if there was an undercurrent of the entire weekend, aside from that, it was mother Griffin (laughs) like anybody who was into books, It was either, thank God I was able to get Thrawn, or it was cussing about not having been able to get Thrawn. Because Mm -hmm. that was the other way um, that I point out on the vlog. That was the other instance in which the logistics just failed Mm -hmm. as far as that went. But from the standpoint of just sort of an attitude, there was a big positivity. I think that even the people standing in line, relatively positive. I mean, even we were standing in that line on the first day that sucks so bad. Mm -hmm. People were complaining and griping about the line itself. But it tended to be in humorous ways. You know, it didn't tend to be, God, this sucks. What am I going to do? This is awful. It tended to be sort of cracking jokes and, and being sarcastic about it. Mm -hmm. So there was a positive attitude that kind of permeated the entire thing. It seemed like, and that I thought was, uh, was good. You know, tons of people in costume and people getting the pictures taken with them. People standing in line and seemingly fine with doing so to make sure that they got what they needed, trying to be orderly. Aside from that one group of douchebags who jumped into the line um, while we were waiting on that first day, didn't really see much in the way of that, of people trying to slice lines. Like if you if you saw somebody come up and try to get into the back of a line and it turns out it's not the back, it's where it's curved and going back the other way, they, they just good-naturedly, oh, sorry, and head to the real back of the line. Nice. Um, there was a cordiality, I think, that was actually pretty... Uh, Pretty pervasive. And I like that. I like the fact that, you know, you can get a bunch of Star Wars fans in a room together, different backgrounds, different creeds, different thought processes, different genders, et cetera, et cetera. And we get along for the most part. For
1: the most part. Well, since we didn't do a normal uh, opening thing, you know, consider this your spoiler warning, sentience and Beyonders of all ages. Because here we go on another adventure beyond the films. I think from this point on is where we're going to get into more of the spoiler ish territory of this conversation. You know, let's real quick, let's go ahead and, and play the trailer, the teaser trailer for the Last Jedi. Uh, we'll talk about that. And we'll move on to the other highlights of celebration. And again, I'll just constantly uh, toss a couple questions at you from your perspective and the perspective of the the celebration itself uh, as we go. So with that, let's uh, hit play here. So where were you at when you got to see the trailer? I know when I was at Anaheim, like I said, I was in line. I was watching it on a cell phone, but I was still equally
0: impressed. You know, I'm trying to recall. I think what had happened was we left at the uh, – we got to the end of that day's events. And I want to say we went back and we watched it prior to going to – I'm trying to remember what day this was. I think it was Friday. um, Prior to going to the 2-2 Tango uh, get-together for Star Wars Report. So we had gone back to the hotel – and we just watched it on my wife's phone. Mm-hmm. And we watched it again then and again and again because they played it multiple times with the, the panel. Uh, when we went back and on, on Saturday, we had a chance to just kind of decompress for part of the day and we watched the panels that we missed the previous days, the big ones. Um, so we got a chance to see it then on my larger uh, computer screen. So we weren't there in the room, we weren't watching it live or anything, so we'd heard a little bit about it before going into it, but then of course the immediate speculation starts, you know, the whole thing about, well, you know, he's saying the Jedi should end, does that mean that he's learned something that, that makes him realize that there shouldn't be Jedi, or does it mean that perhaps he's given up, mm-hmm. uh, and that now that they were supposedly balanced to the Force, he's just gonna, you know, let it go, does it mean that um, the Jedi are always drawing danger or drawing enemies by being the light side they sort of create the dark side from within with people falling to the dark side like kylo ren does it mean that he sees himself as responsible and wants to end it Mm -hmm. Um, like like hans sort of hinted at back in the force awakens or is it something completely different you know and and the answer of course is it could be any of them we have no idea
1: Yeah, I keep thinking about that. It could be completely different. I mean, for all we know in canon, the Sith species may never have existed. The Sith could just be an offshoot of the Jedi, or we could find that the Jedi and the Sith are an offshoot of, say, maybe the Bendu, And, and even the Bendu. Like, we don't know if he is, you know, Bendu as an order of religious force users, or if he is just named Bendu, and he's just like, I am the Bendu, I am the royal Bendu, I am all but Bendu. Like, the father and the son and the... Daughter, like, I mean, there's so much of that that's still not in perspective that mm-hmm. we are reaching. I mean, I think that's one of the things in the speculation angle with the new canon. It's a lot harder to speculate where are we going to go next because the options are still so wide open. Um, I remember mm-hmm. going to a Delray panel at Anaheim, and John Jackson Miller had mentioned, you know, that they weren't going to reinvent the wheel. And while there is truth to that, I mean, take Thrawn, for example, though, you know, we're reading the Thrawn book and how he's discovered seems very reminiscent to how he was discovered before.
0: Have you finished the Thrawn book? I
1: am two chapters away from being done. Um, and I'm, okay, so, I'm at so you, an interesting so you spot. Have, you
0: may have run into something. There's a twist on how things start in a Thrawn book that you don't realize until you get towards the end I, of the So
1: I'm book. at that so. spot, and I'm wondering, okay. like, is he lying to that other character, or is he being truthful? Because I was like, holy okay. crap. Just, just curious, just making but, sure. but the character Eli reminds me of equal parts uh, George Cardass and Gilead Palian. Uh, You know, like, he feels like he's serving that role. Like, I I, I get notions like that throughout this book that these are those scenarios where like Anakin Skywalker might be the Jedi that he ran into very similar to him running into uh, uh, a kind of thing. Uh, but that, I think there's an angle there that, where I'm at that reveal he's talking about and the way that they're talking about it. I kind of wanted to ask you something on that because it almost sounds like he ran into Anakin Skywalker when Anakin Skywalker had to be Darth Vader. And I was like, wait a minute, why is he calling him Anakin Skywalker? Uh, So, so that was an interesting thing. So I was like, wait, is this a lie? What's going on here with that?
0: How did we get there from the trailer?
1: Exactly. I don't even know, man. I don't even know (laughs) the wide openness of it all. That's right.
0: So, (laughs) yeah. So there's a lot of things that we just, we don't know. it will be interesting to see, um, My concern was seeing Finn sort of in the little bubble thing, assuming that he was going to be out at some point to be able to be a bigger part of the film. We don't see that in the trailer, but John Boyega pretty much confirmed it. I thought it was funny that uh, Mark Hamill, when on the uh, Last Jedi panel, he almost... I think it was Last Jedi panel. It may have been the 40th anniversary. He almost pulled what the guy playing Baze did for Rogue One, but Mm. he was doing it as a joke. You remember when the Rogue One panel was held... The dude playing bass basically said, you know, my character has to find a way to kind of come back to the force, and he only is going to do that after this guy dies, pointing to che- the guy playing Cheer It. And was <laughs> like, you just gave away a massive spoiler! Shut up! Right? And you have Mark Hamill, who's like, you know, talking about, you know, being there with the group, and he's, you know, you know, I sit here looking, and I see my da I mean my colleague, Daisy... Uh, you know, as if he's about to say the word daughter and the crowd, of course, is erupting in laughter and everything and just feeding the speculation. But no, I think that there's a lot more to be seen. I think that the trailer gave us just, you know, it's a glimpse. I feel like we, we know more from the Battlefront 2 trailer or from the Rebels Season 4 trailer than we know for the Last Jedi trailer so far. Yeah, know, because the Last Jedi trailer was just a teaser. It's just meant to kind of whet our appetites. And surely there'll be another one between now and December.
1: Oh, I would hope. I would think probably by November at the latest. Now, another thing that came up through all this was Kathleen Kennedy actually had confirmed that we won't be seeing uh, Carrie Fisher in Episode nine, which I was kind of surprised because we'd had that uh, information that it came out from Carrie's brother talking about how they had released the ability to take her likeness and use it if they wanted to. But it does sound like... General Leia's story gets told in this one, which I've been speculating for a while now that Han dies in seven, Leia dies in eight, and Luke's going to die in nine. And that way we can move on with Rey and company and still move past nine and do a, a 10, 11, and 12 and have it move beyond them and having them as, as critical to the story. Because they talk about the saga being the Skywalker story. Well, if she's not going to be a Skywalker, I don't know where they're going to go from there. And that just seems like the no-brainer way to transition from one to the other. And you can make this trilogy kind of like a bridge between another three sets of trilogies where we focus on Rey and this new group. So that was an interesting little tidbit that came up as well. Speaking of the uh, Battlefront 2 trailer you were talking about, uh, that one was an exciting trailer to watch. Here, let's uh, watch that real quick.
0: I've waited 30 years for this. I still remember my last orders. Sergeant. Impossible. Commander, what do we do now? We avenge our Emperor. This one, I mean, it gives us hope that Battlefront 2 is going to have a decent story, because they claim that it is going to have a story mode. Thank you, John Boyega. The thing I like about this, and it immediately did get the, oh, I see, every Star Wars story's got to have a woman as the hero or heroine now. We can't have guys leading a story anymore. Crap immediately happened as soon as a trailer was was leaked the uh, shortly before a celebration. Um, but male or female... Who gives a crap? Our protagonist character here seems to be able to now give us a different perspective. This reminds me more of TIE Fighter versus X-Wing. Not X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, the game, but TIE Fighter, the game, compared to X-Wing, the game, Mm -hmm. where they shifted the perspective to the Empire. So now we have a story that seems to deal with multiple eras, but which, at least as a framework is giving us a tale in the era in which basically, you know, the First Order is coming together after the fall of the Empire. Some, some you know, post indoor maybe post-Jaku, post-Empire's End stuff happening, um, playing into how this is going to grow. And it seems as though we're probably going to get more of the background of how the First Order came together, perhaps in Last Jedi, perhaps in maybe supplemental material to Last Jedi. Because if you may recall back with Bloodline, a lot of the political background stuff of the different factions and whatnot, and the different political parties within the Republic, that was all stuff that Ryan Johnson provided to Claudia Gray. So we Mm -hmm. know that that framework is somewhere within The Last Jedi. So I'm pretty excited to see it. I'm probably, and I'm tentatively excited, we'll put it that way. The way they've described all the changes they're making to Battlefront and this trailer make me think it's a lot more like the old Battlefront games. And in that sense, I'm pretty stoked for it. Um, I'm ready to go ahead and do my sucker pre-order. That said... (laughs) EA is going to have a lot to make up for after the first Battlefront and all of its many, 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 many shortcomings and very, very, very high price tags to get everything with its $50 initial season pass and things like that. But yeah, I'm stoked for it. And the idea, I mean, I don't care the gender, the race or whatever of the the protagonist character. It's the fact that we've got a protagonist character. We have a story Mm -hmm. that is going to matter. And in theory, that means that this game will actually be part of canon, whereas the current Battlefront game is not. It's that authentic Star Wars experience, but it's going to take things that happen in canon and give us tweaked weird versions of it, like a different version of the Battle of Hoth or a different version of Endor. Don't worry about it, just follow the movies. Well, this one might actually be more like a Star Wars Uprising and actually contribute. Yeah,
1: like how the Battle of Scarif is so different. I like the fact that the uh, protagonist character, she's got the Maggie Green uh, look, the actress that plays Maggie Green in The Walking Dead. Like that, when she took the helmet off, I thought about that. I also like the fact that she's got the uh, same kind of probe droid that the Seventh Sister, or is it Seventh Sister, had on the back of her outfit. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of a cool little twist. For me, I think one of the things that strike me the most about this is how many space scenes it looks like we're going to get. Yep. I love. The starfighter combat, but I think Battlefront really, the way that they handled the controls for it didn't work very well. When I think the funnest experiences I've had flying a Star Wars ship. I think of the PlayStation's Starfighter and Jedi Starfighter. The way that they allowed you to twist and do the dog rolls and stuff with that, the way they utilized the joysticks as well as the controls, there was just a lot more options available. And the way that they would do the targeting system. And if they don't give us the controls like that for this new game, that's okay. But they definitely need to do something different with that targeting system. Mm-hmm. I've noticed the more I play the game, the more I'm just I'm searching for targets nonstop, and I get sniped while I'm looking for other targets because they're. Just So hard to see. I mean, I remember those games where you would have every target on the board and you could go either triangle or square and you could cycle left or right through all those targets or you could go with circle and it would go to the closest one to you. And once you did that, it was locked on. Like right now, I'm constantly flying around, holding down that uh, L2 button, hoping somebody flies in front of my my target bracket so I can lock in on them. So before that's, it
0: winds up having it having the timeout because now you can't just hold down L two without it timing out on you.
1: Oh, is that so? That's probably why I'm sitting there holding it out and it's timing out on me. Okay, well now I now I know. So well, are there are many
0: unnecessary tweaks at different points with patches.
1: Yeah, so that's one of those things where yeah, that's very frustrating. Um, I like the story mode. Uh, I I don't know if I'm so keen on the multiple eras cuz we see a scene with Maul fighting Yoda and I'm just like all right so that's a classic video game aspect like that's the difficult part about being in an era where they say everything counts and yet then they they're like well the games are only authentic like okay all right
0: wasn't you say that the, the story mode counts but the yeah. other stuff doesn't or something like which, that which story which mode I guess multiplayer no
1: I guess that's always worked, cause like, you think about Kotor and they're like, well, which ending was the canon ending? You know, which, which Revan was the canonical Revan? Was, was he supposed to be a guy or was he supposed to be a girl? And then they would be like, oh yeah, he's this and sorry. Did I, you
0: just assume my Revan's gender? Yes,
1: I did. I'm going to hell.
0: Oh my God. Zir was,
1: Zir was zero the whole time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the Battlefront 2 is one of the ones that, More fans were expecting this. We're we're expecting to see a lot of improvements. So I'm with you. I think that the bar has definitely been raised for EA, and they know their limitations from the first game. They know their shortfalls, and they know what we want. And now it's a matter of were they really paying attention, or were they just trying to make the second game that they were already planning a little bit better, and we're going to have to wait till the third one to get it right.
0: Two things I would add before we move on beyond Battlefront. One, did you notice... The Imperial Raider ship is in Battlefront. It's in that trailer as well. The Imperial Raider was that ship that Fantasy Flight Games created because there were no Imperial ships that really fit the idea of something to be a matchup for a Corellian Corvette. So they created it for X-Wing, then added it to Armada. Now... It's going to be part of Battlefront, which is cool. And the second thing I would say is, you know, you you said, you know, kind of they've, we we know what's coming. We're hoping they're going to improve, et cetera, et cetera. Um, In a sense, I would say that Battlefront now must do what Timothy Zahn has done with Thrawn. And that is that for a while there, Thrawn, Thrawn, uh, Zahn was putting out really good stuff. Say the first five books he contributed to Legends. And then it seemed as though he pretty much just started phoning it in. You know, Thrawn is a god. Mara Jade can pretty much do whatever she wants. Um, Yeah, and and just books that were just bloated and just didn't work, um, in my opinion. Except with, to an extent, scoundrels. Whereas Thrawn, he's back on his A-game, in essence, here. He stopped phoning it in and really brought it this time. In essence, Mm -hmm. Battlefront 1 was kind of phoning it in, it seemed like. um, With the exception of graphics and sound. Now they really have to decide if they are going to bring their A-game and really give us a solid Battlefront 2, or if they are going to continue to phone it in. Because with a fan base like Star Wars, and how we buy just about everything with Star Wars, um, how we are going to buy a Star Wars game because it says Star Wars, even if it's garbage, in theory, they could phone it in and still rake in the cash. It's almost a professional courtesy thing or respect for your audience thing to actually make a game that actually brings an a game and and justifies the cost when in theory these days with the star wars game you could get away with another battlefront 2 that's a lot like battlefront 1 and get at least initial sales maybe not later sales but at least initial sales that would wind up being close enough that you still make millions and millions of dollars off of it without having to put in the effort to make something better. But we shall see. I'm I'm hopeful that they have sort of learned the lessons of Battlefront 1.
1: We didn't learn anything, but we gave you a story mode. Kudos to us, right? 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 (laughs) Speaking of kudos, uh, next thing is we've got the Rebels Season 4 trailer. Uh, We also got confirmation that Season 4 will be the last season.
0: Mm And only fifteen episodes.
1: Yeah, only fifteen episodes. Ahsoka will return. Uh, Hera will become a general next season, and Hot Callus is now a thing. So that was kind of interesting.
0: Callus, <laughs> Callus, ca- as played by Logan or John <laughs> yeah. Howlett, basically. Yeah.
1: But but I think that's funny though that even the people at Lucasfilm they're calling him Hot Callus too. That it's not just a fan thing. Also, uh, Rook joins the show, so that's kind of yep. interesting. No
0: Nograi, yeah. And and what's and, and I think fine... by, Isn't he voiced by Warwick Davis? Oh, is he? I think you're right, actually. I I think you're right. That uh, Warwick Davis was going to be voicing.
1: See, and I I thought that was cool because we've already had his name show up. Thrawn's already used it, so there's already a relationship between Rook and Thrawn. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of cool. I like that little implication there. So with that, uh, we're going to go ahead and play that trailer. It was a simple story about a boy who was lost
0: and a girl who was broken. They fought alongside a survivor, a war veteran, and a fallen knight. I led them into battle against an evil so
1: terrible it tried to black out the stars. We fought for each other. We fought for those who could
0: not. But we never imagined it would end like this. This is a time of difficult choices. Sometimes impossible ones.
1: As long as we're together, We've got a chance.
0: At least we'll go down fighting.
1: All paths are coming together now. It's time to get to work. We are the balance, Ezra. We were meant to be Jedi so we could be here now. When Lothal needs us most. May the Force be with you.
0: So, yeah, I was pretty stoked for this. Um, This really excited me kind of alongside the Battlefront trailer, like I said, more so than Last Jedi, because it didn't really tell us much of anything in Last Jedi. To know it's the last season, to know that they're talking about really focusing on this being a more serialized tale, um, where it's more... All kind of connected. They did that really with last season, but not quite as much perhaps as they could have. So this really is going to feel like one longer story to find out that Saw Gerrera is going to be back. We're going to see Mon Mothma back and help see a little bit more about where that division happened with them.
1: Bo-Katan.
0: Yeah, Bo-Katan being back. I'm, I'm stoked to see what's going to happen with this season. I think it's going to be one of the strongest seasons we've got of Rebels and just just as it stands, it has a lot of potential, but two things do stand out that make me go, hmm, one, it kind of it makes me sort of sit back and say, well, what about filler episodes? If they have any episodes that don't really seem to cohesively connect with the rest of it, That's a real big missed opportunity this time because they only have 15 episodes to work with. Hopefully, there won't be anything like that. It'll all feel like everything mattered by the time we get to the end, sort of like with season one where there were filler episodes and it turned out they really weren't filler. They were planting a seed like Sabine with the, you know, the painted stolen TIE fighter thing.
1: Yeah, I think think those days are over, though. I think everything that we've had before are going to play and finally pay
0: off this season. Then the other thing is that... Um, They did confirm that we're not going to see the Battle of Scarif in the show. Which, it's interesting, because in essence, that means that unless... I mean, unless we're going to get to that point except just not see it, or maybe see Hera taking off to go to it, it sort of leaves the question of where these heroes are going to be. And there was an interview uh, about this in which basically it sounded like They really are kind of winding down to the where are these characters going, what are their final fates, and the idea that there is sort of a melancholy atmosphere to certain aspects of this season. And it makes me wonder, you know, maybe when we're watching, for instance, Rogue One, maybe what we're seeing is the ghosts manned by Hera and maybe Chopper, and everybody else has already gone their separate ways. There's about a two-year gap they've got that they can fill in. Maybe one year if they're jumping ahead another year or whatever between seasons again.
1: Well, and the Phantom Two is not on the ghost in Rogue One, so we That's do true. know that either the ship got destroyed or they're on another mission.
0: Or it's just not there, got left behind, or you yeah. know, maybe it's still sitting back at Yavin. So we'll see. But it certainly has a lot of potential and I'm I'm excited to see it. I know that they aired the first episode as a, Hey, let's play a teaser trailer. Yay! Hey! oh, screw it, let's watch the first episode of the season. Which sort of begs the question of when will that air? Because, you know, we look back at previous seasons and sometimes they'll air an hour-long episode months ahead of the season actually premiering. Do we have to wait for fall?
1: June or July. I'm thinking June or July. That's what they did last time. And I think the reason is, is because the people that saw it are not going to be able to keep their mouths shut. They're going to tell their buddy, and that buddy's going to tell a buddy.
0: (laughs) What's interesting is that this time they only, like it's designed They make it sound like it's another of these hour long two part season openers. They only showed the first half. Mm. They did not show the entire season opener. So maybe what, what there's, you know, maybe the idea is that people could spoil it a little bit, but all they're spoiling is the first part and they don't yeah. know the answer to the cliff.
1: Build up the, yeah. Build you know? up the anticipation. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. See, I think because of some of the things they've said, and, and I like the fact that when the trailer went down, Filoni was wearing an Ahsoka live shirt with the question mark. When the trailer came up, it was an exclamation point. So I was like, Oh, that's sweet but I think what we're going to see is Hera, probably in the last two episodes or so, she'll finally get her becoming a general. And I think the very last episode will end with them arriving on Yavin, where we see that scene of the ghost flying in. I think that either they're going to start operating on Yavin, or we're going to see them showing up and basically like, this is your new home, and it's going to end right about the point where Jin shows up. That we're not going to see Rogue One, but we are going to, I mean, I think this is going to bookend
0: right up to Rogue One. Could very well be. Maybe they're the ones who bring Bail up. Maybe they are on the mission with the Tantive, or Tantivy, apparently we're supposed to call it, for when it gets damaged, causing it to have to be repaired aboard the Profundity, as -hmm. it is in Rogue One, which is why it's not actually part of the Battle of Scarif, but is able to be used as an escape craft, and why Leia is aboard in the first place. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, it seemed like they're trying to really tie this all together fairly well. And so... Yeah. Did
1: you have any emotional impacts from this trailer when you watched
0: it? Uh, Definitely that sense of sort of the triumph and, you know, sadness that we're going to, that it'll soon be gone. I feel Mm -hmm. like I had an, I would put, if I rank them in terms of emotional impact, it was this one, then Battlefront, then Last Jedi. Again, because Last Jedi, we just don't know enough about it that it was just kind of a, ooh, pretty. (laughs) Um, I think I'm going to get that with the next. Last Jedi trailer. But this one, I mean, we've been with these characters for several years now. And I think that in general it's been handled in a way where, more so than what we got with Clone Wars, we care about these characters because the Clone Wars, some of the main characters who were people whose fates we already knew. With mm-hmm. the exception of just the fact that General syndula will be around and Chopper will still be around. We don't know what's going to happen to Ezra or Kanan or Sabine or Zeb uh, or Callus. And we've now become invested in these characters. My my reaction to Callus finally joining the rebels away in the whole, you know, thank you for rescuing me, you know, thank you for putting it all on the line for us kind of stuff, that was a very visceral emotional reaction for me. Mm-hmm. So to give them this finale and knowing that it's the last season, being able to give it a proper finish as... Somebody, I think it was Filoni, joked about, since they really couldn't with Clone Wars, I think that's going to be a big thing. So all that kind of stuff was welling up at the time that I was watching it, and all this context flooding in, um, to make that the most impactful of the three that we saw.
1: See, for me, it was, it was definitely the Rebels one, and I think it's the knowing that Hera and Choppers live. You watch this, and it's all Hera's point of view, and she's talking about everybody on the ship. And... I think about that scene where she is all but kissing Kanan, as I put it. Mm -hmm. It's like like a, a sorrowful parting is what it looked like. And I kept thinking about that, about the way that she's talking about everything. And, you know, like you said, what if she is the only sole survivor? I mean, how tragic would that be for her to have lost her family? And then I think back to that scene of, you know, clearly when she's letting him go, she knows that this is an important parting. Uh, At least that's the impression I get. But the one that really stood out to me was when we see Ezra and Hera, or not Ezra and Hera, Ezra and Sabine on the wolf in their writing. And if you really pay attention, Sabine's got her helmet off. She either looks like she is suffering from an emotional blow or has been injured. And when I watched that I, I watched that what part a couple times over and over again and I just the intensity of that moment, like all I keep thinking of is which is it, you know, is it, is it something that happened that she's, you know, sorrowful because she played a part. I mean, we know that she had a hand in, uh, imperial weapons and stuff. Does she watch one of her weapons go off and, and she sees firsthand the, the devastation or did she get injured and Ezra's racing her back? Uh, and I like the fact that Ezra is now kind of embracing the Mandalorian lifestyle, uh, or at least he's painted up his helmet in such a way. I thought that was kind of cool as well. Um, uh, but yeah, hot callus. Uh, he definitely jumped right out as a hot commodity. Um, I know some people were kind of hoping that maybe he'd end up becoming uh, General Crick's Maidine, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm hoping that he doesn't drop off. I want to see him play a bigger role, and I think that that's my big fear with a lot of these characters, and I think Thrawn especially. You know, Thrawn has always been this this big bombastic character who has lived beyond... The introduction series. you know, In in a lot of senses, he was just a one-and-done. You know, Zahn introduced him. He was in three books. He died at the end of those three books. And then they've moved his story on past that. They fleshed out his past and stuff. We've gotten some mm-hmm. stuff into the future to find out more in Legends. And so now it's kind of like the same boat. It's like, where are we going to go from this? Where are we going to see this play out? I don't know. It's one of those aspects that I, I constantly I go back and forth with. How exciting is this going to be? And the worry that comes in with that. I
0: can just imagine us getting to the end of the season If Rook manages to take out Thrawn the way that he did somehow, uh, kind of thinking back to The Last Command, doing something Last Command-esque to have him somehow play a role and have uh, Thrawn die before the end of the season. I can imagine myself basically standing in front of the TV with two middle fingers out going, it was so artistically done, mother, you know, (laughs) something like that. (laughs) <laughs> a joke only a Legends person could get.
1: Indeed, indeed. But, I mean, that's where I get It's like, I, on one hand, I'm kind of like, do they take Thrawn out, or should Thrawn live beyond this series? And I, I kind of have this feeling that they're going to make Thrawn going down the big villain triumph moment, and I'm conflicted on that. There's a part of me that feels like Thrawn needs to be more, that Thrawn needs to, to continue on past this adventure.
0: Or... Or he needs to go back to the Chiss Ascendancy, right? Ooh, that, I mean, that could be that, too. That we know that he came for a purpose, and in theory, he intends on someday going back, if at all possible. So, you know, that's an easy way to get him off the board so that he's not there kind of gumming up the works for Gallius Rax, you know, yeah. and, and, and whatnot. So that we don't have the two Thrawn-esque masterminds pulling all the strings and whatnot. Um, but we'll see. I. I, I have more faith that they have a plan for these characters than I had faith that they had a plan for what to do with, say, Rex and Ahsoka going into the <laughs> Clone Wars, or going into uh, Order 66.
1: No, no, I'm with you on that. Totally. Uh, so moving from the trailers into the realm of books, we have some announcements books.
0: here. to hit, you know. Do you want to hit the, the book from Celebration? Let's do it, man. Let's start with that one. All right. So if you went to Celebration... Uh, the Really, the only big exclusive from a book standpoint that they were promoting was the fact that this is where you could get an exclusive version of Thrawn. They also did have those Del Rey samplers available, um, the little paperback books that collect short stories from Star Wars Insider and whatnot in there. So um, there was that to get. Those were free. And then you had Thrawn, and they completely underestimated the demand for this book, and for the pins that went with it, the idea was that you could buy a copy of the book, or as many copies as you wanted, as long as you were willing to pay 35 bucks for each copy. But the first one you bought, so to speak, uh, on a one-per-person basis, you could get a little pin of Thrawn. Ooh. So you had people who were going to get the book because they wanted the book. You had people going to get the book because they knew it was going to be in sh- low quantities, and they were going to put it on eBay. I've already seen a signed copy on eBay for $245. Oh! Uh, and that was as of last that... night. And there is a special place in hell for you, dude. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But then you will also have people who were who were just trying to collect all the pins all throughout celebration because it was a special type of pin There was like 40
1: plus pins, man. I got to admit, that would have been something I'd have been trying desperately to do.
0: Well, these little pins, like they were special little pins, and the only way to get it was to buy Thrawn, not just buy for the Barnes & Noble booth, not just buy for the Delaware booth, but just specifically buy this limited edition copy of Thrawn. So you had a lot of people who were wanting the pins, buying the books, who just didn't care. So that may account for some of the ones showing up on eBay now. But suffice to say, I'm hearing they only made about 2,000 of them. Um, They really probably should have brought more, and they sold out... Crazy, crazy quickly. We were still out in line when I texted uh, Michael Morris from Cloud City Casino and said, hey, are you in a position to grab one of these? Because we were only about an hour, hour and a half after things opened for the day. And Delray puts out a tweet that basically says... Um, we really underestimated demand for these. There are still some, but get it quick because they're going fast, which only increased the number of people rushing to get it.
1: (laughs) And that was a legitimate tweet, not not a a strategic
0: blunder. (laughs) So Michael was able to pick up one for me and get that pin for me very quickly just to make sure that I had a copy. But I had already promised that I was going to do my best to try to find a copy for Michael, other Michael, Michael Y., our editor plus baron plus chris walker and you didn't know it but i had already decided ahead of time that if i could i was going to try to get a copy for you as a gift um, because i knew that you would do the same for me and so the first thing we did when we got in it was you know we made a beeline for that booth that was the one big thing that i cared about making sure we got at celebration was the thron exclusive so first thing we do when we get in the doors finally we rush to the uh, Barnes and Noble booth to be able to get it. Uh, they're out of pins, but they've got these little posters that they can hang out that are ha- handout that has aftermath trilogy on one side, Thrawn on the other, and managed to pick up the copies as needed. Now, again, there was not a limit on these. We picked up four more copies, so I went up with a total of five, all for individual people, none for eBaying. And even if they had limited to say two per person between my wife and I being attendees and Michael M being an attendee, we would have still been able to get this number. In fact, we may have even maxed it out and said, "Oh, Wells." We could get six, not five, and grabbed another one just because they were limiting the number. It's kind of a reverse <laughs> psychology effect. But that was at about, I want to say, I think we finally got there at about 1 o'clock and got at twelve thirty one oclock o'clock-ish. Because um, it was the first thing when we got inside. And by the time the 4 o'clock Barnes & Noble signing for Zahn came around, they had sold out at the Delray and Barnes & Noble booths of all Ooh. of these celebration-exclusive copies of Thrawn. All of the Barnes & Noble special cover copies of Thrawn, and all of the regular copies of Thrawn. There wasn't a copy of Thrawn to be found in the place. Wow. And they had advertised every one of Zahn's signings except the last one on the schedule, and he had quite a few as, come buy an exclusive copy of Thrawn and get it signed. As if he was going to have a box of them there with him or something every time he was signing, which was not the case. Wow. So if you didn't get to the booth within the first few hours that it was open your chances of getting a copy of it were pretty much nil on that first day. Turns out they found a, like, I guess one more box full of them, but it was a very limited number. And they set up a thing for day two where if you showed up, yeah, if you showed up early, you could be in line for a lottery. And if you pulled a winning ticket, you would get the okay to be able to purchase, not just get, but purchase one of the few copies of the books that were left. But what they did for that, as I learned from, I'm trying to remember who told me, it may have been Scott Hume who told us this that basically you would show up about an hour before to make sure you were close to the front of the line, as was the case with almost every event. And they would say, no, 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 no. You can't get in line yet. We're not lining up till half an hour before. We're going to disperse anybody who tries to line up. So come back half an hour before. Well, they keep telling people that. So people keep being pushed away. People start lining up and the people have been pushed away are even looking at the people lining up like, dude, you're just going to get you know, dispersed, I'm going to wait for the real line. And then the time comes and they don't disperse. They don't create a real line. They let the people who were in that line that supposedly was going to be dispersed stay in the line and everybody they turned away who got there way earlier but were told you're not allowed to be in a line, now we're at the back of the line and had no chance of actually getting a book. Again, they botched it. This was the other logistical issue that that, that screamed out at us, um from Celebration. The way they handled the exclusive Thrawn copies was a mess. Now, the Thrawn copies themselves were actually pretty cool, but I mean, it's the same book, right? So basically the regular copies that you can get have sort of this regular dust jacket. It has Thrawn on the front. It's like half of his face and he, and it's got a white background to it. Um, the book underneath, if you take the dust jacket off has, uh, it's blue, Like, the actual cover is blue, but then the spine area is white, and then it has the Thrawn title and everything there in red. Mm -hmm. And then it's just got a regular plain white when you open the front cover, and you get sort of that uh, back of the front cover and first page where it's always blank, um, just plain white. And that's basically it, and it's just a regular book. There's also a Barnes & Noble exclusive edition. And that one is essentially the same, except for the dust jacket having a black background instead of white. Which looks cool. Yeah. Uh, Books a Million had, and I ordered one of these, Books a Million had a signed version that's basically the same as the regular version, but it has one extra page in the front, which is a space for signing. Oh, nice. The Celebration exclusive version has a cover that's completely different. It's got Thrawn, his face... Um, In much more close-up, and it's his whole face, not just half on the cover with no text. The back has him standing there in uniform. Uh, The dust jacket, uh, when you take the back flap up, it's got the celebration symbol on it, so you know that it was exclusive to celebration. The book underneath is, again, blue, but so is the part by the spine instead of it being white. Oh! Uh, So it's totally blue. Um, The text is still red. It has the indentation of a rank plaque with all 12 of its little things on the the blue cover. You open it up, and the back of the main cover and that first page that are generally usually blank are a whole bunch of silhouettes of the Chimera from below with that uh, Chimera design on the bottom of the Star Destroyer. And then if you go a few pages into it, it has a page specifically designed to be signed where Timothy Zahn was signing through through celebration. So it's a little bit more expensive, also a little bit fancier, exact same story, but it is, it, it's more than just the dust jacket that was different, but not overly so, um, but in incredibly, incredibly high demand. And then they weren't selling them as signed copies. You would get them, and then you'd have to go to a Zahn signing to actually get them signed. And at least the signing we went to the requirement was that you had to have a copy of Thrawn to get anything signed. They would sign he would wow. sign whatever copies of Thrawn you've got, plus one personal item. Most of the other signings were they'll sign one thing that in theory you bought or could have bought from Barnes and Noble and one personal item. And then, of course, they changed it around to the you-must-have-a-receipt thing for the Ahsoka thing later. <laughs> but if you didn't have a copy of Thrawn, you weren't allowed to be part, supposedly, of that first Zon signing. So my wife and I walk up, and we've got five copies between the two of us. We're getting death glares. You know, we've got this guy um, next to us who's got one of the... A, a, I don't remember what it was. It was like a... I don't know, It wasn't Fan Force, but it was like a thing denoting that he was from a Mexican Star Wars fan group. And he's been... Been kind of eyeing things and and speaking in hushed tones uh, in Spanish with with some of the other people in the line. And when when we finally hear a little bit of English from him, it's, boy, I wish I could have got one of those. It's like, oh, whatever. (laughs) Uh, I mean, we were getting death glares in the line because we had several. And my thing was, well, you know, these are all things picked up. People who are not able to be here for the signing. I'm just the designated person taking them to be signed, which was true from a certain point of view. Right. Mm -hmm. Kind of. Mm -hmm. You just weren't there to pick them up. I bought them for you. And I had to go take them to be signed.
1: Well, you would think that they would have, like, a bunch of books already pre-signed. Like, all I'm after is, I just want the signature. I don't need it personalized or anything else. Like, I don't need to You can buy this one. Yeah, Yeah, and then have some where, like, you know, this ones are intended for you to get it and then go to the line. Like, it just seems weird that they would make everybody stand in that line. Like,
0: ah. And to his credit, I would say, I was kind of surprised that Zahn wasn't really... Like, we came up, and because of time, we already had five to get signed. It was a long line. We weren't going to get more death glares by making sure that he took the time to personalize all of them, which would have taken like twice or three times as long. We were just going to make sure that he signed each one. So when we got up there, he signed them and dated them. And I expected, you know, to have a little bit of resistance because sometimes authors won't do that for a limited copy of something because they know that people might just be bootleggers or not bootleggers, um, um, scalpers, scalpers who are yeah. going to put them up on eBay, as some people have already done. But he just zipped through, signed them, you know, thank you very much, and and we, we took off. So we were able to thankfully get copies, but if you didn't get them that first day, that lottery was a, a freaking joke the next day. But, it, I mean, it's a cool little keepsake. There were also some alternate cover variants of comic books, but you had to go to the Celebration Store to do that. And the line oh. for the Celebration Store was always insane unless you went early in the day and got in a different line to get a Lightspeed Lane pass, which told you a specific time of day to come back and go <laughs> past the line and go ahead and go on in. Fast but we fast. didn't bother with any. Thank God, thank <laughs> God for us, for me not being a collector of variant comic covers, because there were quite a few of those. Um, I think that may have also been... In. the other thing we brought I brought a comic to have Charles Sewell sign and never wound up getting a chance to meet him and get that signed um, but they had other authors signing throughout them they had the team behind the visual dictionary signing I didn't bring that I wasn't going to lug that around so I didn't get that signed. but that was Adam Bray Trisha Barr and uh, Cole Horton who I actually knew way back in the day briefly um, uh, he started out the fan force he was part of back in the comic shop where I worked years ago oh nice but never I mean we didn't take the chance to to go meet them, miss the chance because of scheduling times and whatnot to catch up with uh, Delilah Dawson and Christy golden, unfortunately. Um, but we were able to meet with others. We got a chance to, uh, get, uh, Obviously, that signed by Zahn. That was the only thing we took to get signed by Zahn. We didn't bother to, to... I had some other stuff I brought with me, but just didn't bother to bring it to the actual signing. Got a chance to meet Chuck Winding, who, as expected, was very nice and personable in person, very much the opposite of his Twitter personality. Again, the Donald and Donald Trump, at least pre-presidency. Um, the Chuck and Chuck Winding. Uh, so I was able to get Aftermath and Empire's Zen both signed. So since I already had a signed copy of Life Debt, that's the trilogy, which is nice. And those were the ones that really I had never really talked to before. Um, but then John Jackson Miller had a signing. Yay! So I got uh, Rise of the Empire signed, the original hardback, which he now says is like a collector's item, I didn't even know, um, of a New Dawn signed. Uh, picked up a paperback copy of a New Dawn, got that signed. And then the coolest thing, he and I at one point, and we mentioned it on the show, had done an X-Wing scenario based on a New Dawn for an event that he was doing. Like a totally unofficial thing, but he, he had asked Keith Capel about it, you know, like, you know, is this something that You know, you know somebody who could help me out with. He pointed to me, and we came up with a scenario called Dying is Never a Plan. That's an X-Wing mission that you can play or a scenario you can play um, it was based on what was happening in A New Dawn at the time. So I printed out a copy of that on cardstock and brought it <laughs> for him to sign, which was cool. Smart. So now I have that within the collection, something a little more personal. We got a chance to meet uh, Jason Fry. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think it's Kemp Rimmelard, I think it's the guy's name. Um, they, of course, worked on the complete location stuff. But uh, I worked with Jason on the Essential Atlas uh, with the whole dated thing back in the day, but never got a chance to meet him in person. So I got a chance to finally meet him, uh, as did my wife. Um, We got him to sign, he signed a couple of things, but the thing that stood out was he had a he signed a copy of the, the Star Wars Backstories Darth Vader Sith Lord book, that little kids paperback that came out recently, and he said it was the first time he ever signed one. And he actually marked on the inside of it, you know, first ever signed copy, because nobody had ever bought it to him to be signed. That's
1: before. awesome. So, see,
0: so we did that. <laughs> um, I already mentioned the Ahsoka signing, how we got the book signed by E. K. Johnston, and my wife got her uh, uh, Ahsoka, I'm a Jedi Knight or soon will be shirt signed by uh, Ashley <laughs> Eckstein. But then we uh, we met Pablo, yes. which is a big thing for me. It was, it was finally being able to meet Pablo. Um, It was great to meet Jason and John, but, and Pablo was like the other part of that triad. I knew the chances of actually getting a chance to meet Leland were pretty low um, because he wasn't doing signings. He was just doing panels and whatnot. Um, But Pablo had a signing with Jason and Kemp and we got a chance to meet him. I, you know, kind of say, you know, you know, hi, you know, it's been a while, you know, he recognized uh, me as did Jason. So it's good to, you know, be recognized like, oh, you know, this is that guy I talked to on Facebook who also did this, who I referenced in the Essential Reader Companion. Awesome. And that's what I brought. I awesome. brought the Essential Reader Companion for him to sign. And he was like, I appreciate you lugging this thing around. And he, you know, he signed <laughs> it and everything. But it was funny because, you know, you could get a couple things signed. It was at the DK booth and the DK booth was just get whatever you want signed. Nice. Who cares? Nice. Just bring it. Just, just whatever. Buy something. Don't buy something. Bring it. Don't just, whatever. Just get something signed. It's fine. Very laid back. And uh, my wife brought a Yoda shirt and that she wanted him to sign, and she's holding it, and she walks up and she's a little shyer you know so I'm, and though she did ask him about gunji too and he said you know ask the licensees maybe even ashley which is why he, she asked ashley later <laughs> but uh i said you know and so just be nice if you could sign this and i handed the book I said, and my wife would like you to sign her shirt and his eyes got huge i'm like <laughs> that she's holding that she's holding <laughs> it was just this great moment of sort of a it's like you've caught you've caught pablo while he's drinking his coffee like rebels recon and he just like <laughs> Deer in the headlights thing, but I mean it was cool meeting those people. And then of course, for me it was if we want to talk about meeting people. I mean we we had the Star Wars report get together, which is actually the first time that I had ever met Bruce Gibson, right? Nice. Now, Star Wars report, um, whose place I took on Cloud City Casino. First time I'd ever met Bethany. Uh, Bethany Blanton of Star Wars Report fame, of course. Um, I had met Riley recently when he came down and tried out the Battlefront VR thing at the house here. Got to meet other members of the listenership, like David Motters there at it. Uh, we got met uh, David Contreras at one... Or David, I keep saying when I say David. Uh, Daniel Contreras as we were... Um, Nice walking around. That's right around the Pablo thing, if I remember correctly. See, Daniel was
1: meet... the first Beyonder I ran into at Celebration Anaheim, and he let me oh, uh, cool. cut about fifty-eight people in line. We were we were oh, naughty, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna
0: die. But I got to meet the Star Wars on Direct team, uh, Danny Sebastian et cetera, um, a couple of times, which was cool because nice. I worked with them a little bit in the past. Uh, Scott Hume, as I mentioned, ran into ran into a young man whose name I didn't catch who uh, uh, followed my YouTube stuff and had started collecting um, Super Eight reels to put up on display because of following the YouTube stuff, uh, uh caught up with Matt DeRocher's, uh, and this time got a chance to meet his wife and son. Uh, his son was actually probably more psyched to see me than some of the, the authors, which I thought was pretty cool. And he, uh, nice. uh cause he listened to the podcast and watches YouTube and had me sign uh, the back of his pass, his little,
1: uh, uh oh, awesome. four day pass
0: thing. Uh, Owen oh, Treleo, if I'm saying his name right, who's doing a documentary type thing, uh, uh, right now got a chance to meet him and get a, a little holiday special badge that he was carrying around. <coughs> got a chance to meet, like us say Teresa and uh, Aaron from bookworms. When we went to the big thing for star Wars report, met the high adventure guys, the, the uh, musicians, I mean, just lots and lots of cool experiences to meet people. And I would say that the thrill was there for both. It wasn't just, Oh, I'm meeting the official people that I've had a chance to talk to or not as a case maybe with Thrawn and Wendig. Um, no, by the way, I did not go to the writer's workshop for Winding and try to teach him how to write complete <laughs> sentences. I thought about it, but I thought that would make me a douche, so I didn't. <laughs> but being able to meet them and being able to meet just people that I've podcasted with, that I've known in the community or people who have been listeners to us for so long that again, I don't really think of them as listeners anymore. Yeah. I think it was like, friends fellow star wars friends buddies of the show who happened to listen to the show you know yeah to be able to have those conversations which was pretty cool so yeah lots and lots of people Man, i'm sure i'm leaving people out and i apologize to those that i have just it's all one giant you know rush of experience that runs that runs together there um but um lots of good experiences to do that and got a ton of of stuff signed, I want to say that it brought, I forget, I have to go back and check, but I want to say... I want to say you're at 86. It was something, it was something insane, like 50-something or 60-something, or whatever. Uh, my number of Star Wars signed books has jumped significantly <laughs> thanks to this, and I will someday probably count up my signed comics as well, because I'm curious about an actual tally. I'm keeping an Excel spreadsheet, but I have yet to even touch comics for it. It's, I've only got <laughs> through the books so far.
1: Yeah, that's definitely, no, you're onto it there. I mean, there is a plethora of things, just experiences and information and tidbits, little things to ponder. Uh, some of the other books that they announced, they, they haven't even given a synopsis for all of them. Like, we've got Star Wars, The Legends of Luke Skywalker, written by Ken Liu. Uh, we've got, and I'm actually excited about this one, Star Wars, The Rebel Files. This is a Becker and Mayer. Uh, this is like mm-hmm. the Jedi Vault, the Sith Holocron, the uh, Imperial the Imperial Order, what is it, the... Uh, Officer's Handbook, I think is what the Imperial one was, and they had the Boba Fett Bounty Hunter one. Uh, this one looks pretty cool. It's got like a little camera kind of thing that pops up. Uh, there is a young adult novel for Leia, Princess of Alderaan, written by Claudia Gray. So that could be pretty exciting. Uh, she's done really good stuff with not just Princess Leia, but if you've read Lost Stars, she's a pretty dang good new canon author. Mm-hmm. This is actually the only one we've gotten any detail about. It's going to be about a 16-year-old Princess Leia, and it's set before A New Hope. Woo!
0: A lot of details. Which is right around the time of A Princess on Lothal
1: yeah that's true maybe there'll be some tie in there Uh, there is a very young kids book a leader named Leia this one's actually written by Jennifer Heedle so I think that's kind of cool it's one of those world of reading it's a level two book so it's a very young kids book Uh, Star Wars the power of the force it's a hard cover this one's coming out by Disney Lucasfilm Press not much on that but it's got a lot of Jedi on the cover so it looks kind of interesting they did this one I think probably got the most it's all learn about the light and the dark sides of the force and those who are sensitive to it this storybook spans the entire Star Wars saga, and introduces readers to heroes like Luke Skywalker, Yoda, and Rey, as well as villains like Darth Vader, Darth Maul, and Kylo Ren. Uh, We also have the, and I think this is one I'm probably more excited for, Delilah S. Dawson is writing Star Wars Phasma. Mm -hmm. There's not much on that. Uh, It's There is this part of the journey to the Star Wars, the Last Jedi program. A lot of these books do have that title, although we know from the last journey to books, that really doesn't mean much. So I'm not really holding my breath on that. Just means
0: published in the lead up to the movie. It may have very little to actually do with the movie.
1: Yes, exactly. They do say discover Captain Phasma mysterious history in this journey to the Star Wars, the Last Jedi. So, I mean, in this case, I'm almost seeing this as a journey away from the Force Awakens and...
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Filling in the gaps. Now, may I say, looking at this, um, it's interesting that Captain Phasma is getting a book and she's getting a comic. Mm -hmm. I really hope this indicates that she's going to have an expanded role in The Last Jedi and be worthy of having more stories told of her. Because I really feel like Captain is becoming like the Boba Fett mm-hmm. of, of this trilogy. Because Boba Fett didn't really do a whole heck of a lot. He had some important plot-moving things that he did, but by and large didn't do a whole lot on screen in Empire or Jedi. And then became like this cult classic character that everybody wanted to know more about. And tons of books and stuff written about him, when really, if you go by what he did on screen... He probably never really merited that much, at least in the original trilogy. And here's Phasma, kind of the same thing. I want to see Phasma do something to earn the excitement rather than just being, you know, having the cool, shiny armor and happening to be a woman. You know, the the accident of chromosomes and... Hey, I made my armor out of what was left of a a, a Naboo ship. See, and I kind of
1: want to raise the game. Let's take her to a Darth Maul status where she seems shiny and flashy and new, and has some somewhat cool, you know, abilities. And then she's gone. And then wait, we bring her back and do something really cool with her. And, and it's not Spider just Spider
0: Phasma. Yeah,
1: like like did she get out of that trash compactor? Well, clearly, she must have. Well, I hope it's she one hell of a story. Together
0: with the Dianoga, that's how she becomes Spider Phasma.
1: Yeah, yeah. Luke you know? was stuffed into a tauntaun. She was in the Dioga.
0: Let me ta- let me toss out this one. Star Wars, absolutely everything you need to know updated and expanded. I am stoked at the idea of another guidebook that is is somewhat comprehensive for Star Wars at this point, because with canon where it is, you actually can do that to some degree. Um, As opposed to the saga being so big, you need something like the Star Wars Encyclopedia or that huge complete encyclopedia to actually cover most things. What gets me though, and it kind of makes me laugh about this though, is it's updated and expanded. And what we learned a little while after the publication and the hype of the first one was that the first one was supposed to be absolutely everything you need to know, and it's being promoted as, hey, we've got this new canon, this is where to start in your knowledge. And it turns out that a lot of the information they used was from Legends that may not actually be valid at all in canon anymore. They muddied the waters so badly with that first absolutely everything you need to know book that as a definitive resource, it has virtually no value whatsoever. And now they're doing an updated and expanded, which makes me wonder, is updated and expanded going to be kind of like one of those uh, character encyclopedias where updated and expanded actually meant we cut a bunch of stuff out to add new stuff? And maybe in this case, they've purged a lot of the stuff that's Legends only that they really probably shouldn't have had in the first one in the first place in order to make space to add stuff from newer canon materials that are in it. Um, Because unless they're flagging some pages as legends and some pages as canon or different entries or something like that by the different continuities. That first one muddied it so badly, I wouldn't give it to somebody as a guide to start because it's just going to confuse them. So now
1: you mentioned the uh, Phasma comic. There was really very little in the comics that I'm aware of uh, so far. Mm-hmm. We had that Phasma gets a miniseries and then there is the uh, all-ages Star Wars comic, Star Wars Adventures that is not going to be done by Marvel, but
0: IDW. Yeah, which is weird because IDW is a different entity, but apparently they've done this before with some of the all-ages type stuff they're doing for marvel with other characters like spider-man so it kind of makes sense uh idw is a pretty solid company It'd be interesting to see what they do with this i wonder though if it's not under marvel how much of this is meant to be canon versus just goofy kid stories we'll just have to see and once again i'm taking it back and i have to say hey guys Any chance you could put out new comic series and new stories under, you know, different names that you haven't used before? Right? (laughs) Because they did do Star Wars Adventures already. In fact, I think they did Star Wars Adventures twice already, and this is the third time we have a series being called simply Star Wars Adventures, and there comes a point where you need to probably be be changing that up but i'm you know i'm open to it i'm curious
1: before you get to that point though you have got to bring back
0: star horse tales i mean that's the that's the no-brainer why the hell haven't you brought that one back <laughs> <laughs> because nobody wants little short stories anymore right because isn't that what was recently confirmed as well wasn't it uh, was it carlos or eddie who managed to confirm that Star Wars Insider will have no more short stories for the foreseeable future.
1: Uh, Eddie posted an update, uh, that I, I believe it was Jedi Bibliotech, or uh, something like that. Bibliotech? Yes, uh, they're the ones that caught it, but the uh, rumors are true. It was confirmed by Delray Books editor Tom Holler uh, at the Force.net forums, and it wrote, quote, yes, dot, 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 Blade Squadron Jakku is the short or is the last short tale in Star Wars Insider for the foreseeable future, certainly through the rest of 2017?
0: Thank you very much for confirming that. You just saved me $45.
1: Yes, you did. I am calling up my comic shop immediately because I think I have one co- uh, one Insider waiting after that issue, so I'm already, I'm already $7.99 into the hole. Damn it!
0: Yeah, that's that's just about the only thing that I I always check out an in insider. There will be other things that I'm interested in to check out every once in a while, but because of the wealth of other material out there now the starwars.com website, Star Wars show, um, Rebels Recon, the Star Wars YouTube channel and all that kind of stuff, I feel like a lot of the stuff that's in in insider i usually just skim through and don't actually ever read with the exception of those short stories it was why i started subscribing to insider in the first place when gamer ended mm-hmm. so yes not having short although although there is one plus side. You know the biggest plus side is that they're not going to have more stories in there we don't have to worry about getting the samplers to be able to collect short stories anymore and we that's, won't have to rebuy paperback books to get short stories in the back because there won't be any short stories to put in the back
1: that's true as well yeah that 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 itch and that, oh my God, I got a Pokemon and got to get them all. I can put that to rest. Uh, yeah, actually, I, I I was excited about that as well because, I, you know, most of the time I get the Insider, I open it up and I'm looking through the and it's stuff I've already seen. It's stuff I've already heard about coming out. Toys i have already witnessed at a celebration or a comic con or, you know, a C2E2. I, I just, I guess my, my finger is on the pulse too much that, I'm not getting that kind of stuff, so which is weird because when Celebration came out, I kind of like backed away from the table. I'm like, there's way too much here for me. I'm gonna eat myself into a coma. Uh, so I'm like, it's like even with the comics, I'm like, I think that's all of it, but I really don't know because I haven't dwelled into the Celebration Orlando coverage too much because I don't want to get lost in that forest of information.
0: Yep, and of course the the big non-news, I guess, coming out of it, um, not with books and comics, but something else that's really my ballywicke. That I'm, I love using that term now because we talked about that before. I, I actually,
1: that? it makes me endeared to the term more now that somebody's using it. I know what it means. What is
0: now my belly <laughs> um, was home video, and we got a grand total of zero announcements of home video material at uh, at celebration. We found out about. You know, We found out more about Last Jedi, which will eventually be on home video. We found out about Season 4 of Rebels and the Season 2 of Freemaker Adventures being in the works. And we found out about Forces of Destiny, um, which is that animated short series and that sort of thing. So we got news about things that will eventually be on home video, but really no home video news at all. A lot of people, as we always tend to see, thought, well... Here's a celebration. This is when they're going to announce the unaltered versions on home video. Or this is when they're going to announce ultra HD 4K Blu-rays of the Star Wars films or something like that. And, uh, and no, literally all quiet on the home video front from <laughs> Celebration, which was disappointing. Um, but at the same time, I was like, yes, nothing new. I got to cover in the book before I put it out. Yeah. Bullet dodged! Nice. Exactly. Nice. I dodged that blaster as if stormtroopers were shooting at me and I was standing still.
1: Ah, yes. It sounds like there was a lot of fun. Uh, You know, I I think we'll probably talk a little bit more about this eventually in another episode as we disseminate, as we digest, as we assimilate all this information coming our direction uh i know that our next episode will probably be Thrawn. uh i'm really close to being done i think nathan's already done we have talked Mm -hmm. also about doing uh the next volume of the legacy comic i believe it's volume 10 so expect those two to be in one of the next three or four episodes after this one and we may come back and cover some more celebration news it all depends on what juicy topics arise in the meantime i guess yep so, unless you have anything else, Nate, I think we're about ready to wrap up and
0: head out. No, I think we're good. Just thank you to those who uh, listened to the show and watched the YouTube channel and everything and uh, took the time to say hello, took the time to hang out. Um, it was a, a real fun experience. Thanks again to uh, uh, to those that that were there to be able to have the conversations and do the signings like Pablo and Jason and John and so forth. And, uh Thank you to Michael Morris for helping me snag that first copy of Thrawn and saving me a heart attack while standing outside in that line on the first day, stressing out about <laughs> being able to do that because that was that was getting my anxiety up. And thankfully, uh, uh, all worked out well. Um, still don't know if we'll ever do another celebration, but uh, I do I do think neither of us regrets going to this first one. Although. We, were, we did have so much time sucked up by lines and everything that the whole idea of this was our honeymoon slash a celebration. Yeah, this was just a celebration. Someday we're <laughs> going away as something proper as a couple. But uh, we had, you know, by and large, a fun experience. Um, hopefully those things that sucked about it, like the line and the Ahsoka signing situation and the mismanagement of the Thrawn books. Hopefully that's all stuff that will... Uh, dissipate over time mm-hmm. and leave us with more of the fond memories.
1: Yeah, it definitely is an experience and it is definitely an experience on your wallet. Um, I'm, I'm in the Ooh, same yeah. boat in the aspect of I don't know how many of these I will do. I just know that the next one I, I do, I would love it if there was some way that you, would, you, know, you and I were to be there, me and Riley were to be there uh, and actually get to do more things as podcasters. You know, I mean, that's something, yeah. you know, Riley was able to get it to, you know, we were able to do a live show on the celebration stage this year but i wasn't there because i wasn't there uh and i'd love to do that with our show i think that we've got enough people that would love to come and and just you know jam on and enjoy the legends train and talk about the differences in canon and then you know where we can go from here um and that is definitely the highlight of the experience is those interactions with the fellow fans so it's it's cool that you were able to still experience that even though you had the little negative things there at the beginning and all that and you were able to overcome and seize the day if you will
0: Again, it's a good experience. I would suggest that any Star Wars fan, if you can afford it, try to do it at least once. Just kind of know what you're getting into. And that's actually why, like I said, that first vlog that I did on it after getting back is specifically designed around, you know, advice and logistics before anything else. Because this is not something to dive into lightly, especially, I mean, especially since you're going to be dropping hundreds on tickets probably to begin with, and then on the hotel and... Then on everything else. Uh, uh, Be aware that if you go to Ezra's, I kid you not, Ezra's, barbecue um, inside the convention center expect that if you buy a couple of pulled pork sandwiches and a couple of soft drinks, you're dropping 30 bucks. That's just the kind of prices you're going to be dealing with, so
1: Good lord, Ezra, you are a street rat.
0: You should know that those prices are ridiculous. (laughs) I know! I was like, man, as soon as you get out of Lothal, you think you're better than us, huh? That better have been loth cat in that pulled pork. Yeah,
1: you ain't getting these Melrunes, man. <laughs> Not yeah, for that yeah. price. You
0: would kiss my Melu run. <laughs> <laughs> <pretend it's> <laughs>
1: Now, that about wraps up this episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films. We'd like to thank everyone who were here hanging around with us as we ponder on, sharing our fandom. Remember, you can always listen to our episodes streaming online on the Star Wars Report websites. Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.stubbersreport.com. Episodes are also available on Stitcher and on iTunes, which we always encourage you to leave us a review while you're at it. You can also find links to our episodes on both our Twitter and our Facebook pages at Films, or just type in Star Wars Beyond the Films in the search bar. Hey, but no matter how you get there, be sure to like our Facebook page. It's the best way to interact with us. It is our own home one, if you will. Not only can you post comments to us about the show, we love interacting with you fellow fans. So if you have any Star Wars and or Legends questions, or you just want to comment about a past episode fire off you can always email us directly at swbeyondfilms at StarWarsFanWorks.com. Now, lastly, before we go, we wanted to mention to you our sponsors, Audible. If you go to report, You get a free trial run of Audible to see what they're all about. Our sponsors have more than 100,000 titles. You can explore the Star Wars Expanded Universe or that canon one or any other genre without risk of being stuck with a book you flat out hate because Audible members can exchange any book within 12 months. That's one year with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making that switch from the page to the audiobook audible just might be right for you because it sure was for me so once again for stars beyond the films it's been mark and whistler and nathan saying thanks for listening and may the force be with you
0: and don't quote us the odds that we'll see ebay flush with sign drawn copies going for hundreds of dollars from scalpers. I can already see it, because there's already a few up there. Oh,
1: what are the odds that they're going to find like a whole pallet full of boxes of that Zon book and be like, uh,
0: what the, that was here the whole time? Whoopsie. <laughs> hey, let's do a lottery online and give everybody a time where they can join the lottery and anybody who shows up earlier than that, who shouldn't be part of that line, we'll just let them go anyway. <laughs>
1: oh, that's, that's pretty
0: terrible. Oh, good times. Uh, uh uh Jenna must end. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what the? F- <laughs> now, excuse me. Uh, as I belch as I'm saying, I say nah, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh ho, ho, What about uh? My my brain just went. My brain just completely emptied when I said that. Um, oh. it, was, it was what about? Man, I know the Scarif thing, but what was the other one? Oh, Okay. The uh, the cover itself, like when you take the the dust jacket off, it's all blue. Are you still there? I mean, I, You've been very quiet. Yeah, sure.
1: I'm still I'm okay, still sorry.
0: here. So I was like, like like I don't hear him. <laughs> Where um, did he go? <laughs> actually, let me grab a copy to make sure I can very clearly explain this. One second. Whoa! We gonna, it's all fine here now. Yeah, it's all right. We're all fine here. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. <laughs>